All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the 13th episode of the Shooting Time Podcast. You've got Ryan, Phil, and Bill on. And hey, how we doing? Hey, gentlemen, how's it going? How's it going? Good, good, good. We're yeah, doing all right. Surviving the still the heat of this summer. The heat and the dryness and the wetness and everything else that comes along with summer and the mosquitoes and... Mm-hmm. It's kind of right in the thick of it now. Mm-hmm. Yep. The dog it's days of summer. As, about as middle of summer as you can get right now. My birthday's in early August, and I always know that once we get past my birthday, we're kind of on the downhill slide, and I'm more than ready for that to happen. So yep. any day now. You guys been yep, doing any fun at all? Not a whole lot, really. Um, just yard work, which I know you don't consider that fun. God dang it. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Other than that, no, actually we're starting back to we're starting back to school, you know, just doing um professional developments and trainings and stuff like that. So which, you know, I'm more than ready to get back into the swing of things, but um I, I don't really foresee things changing a whole lot considering that, you know, our you know, the county I live in is Graves County, which is absolutely no connection to me um, or the family name. But um, we've had like 200 cases of this COVID. And, you know, I don't know what the population is in our county. I mean, it's not much. You know, Mayfield, where I live, is like 10,000 people. So I'd say that mm-hmm. overall the county is not over 40,000. So there's been like 200 new cases in the last couple of weeks. So Yeah, people are uh, getting worried about it then. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know. I think we lost Bill from here there, but is he back? Yeah. All right. I was worried about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan was just saying that he's uh, heading back to school training and that type of stuff here. And I haven't really done a whole lot myself. Have you been up to much, Bill? Well, I uh, tried looking for the um, summertime mushrooms again. Last episode, we talked about how bad the mosquitoes were, so I gave up right away. So this time, I went into it with a new game plan. I went into the state park that's somewhat close to my house and uh, looking for chanterelles and chicken of the woods. And uh, I thought, well, first, I'm going to see how the bugs are. And if they are bad, I, uh, I don't know if any other mushroom hunters do this, but I took binoculars with me. And uh, so I started out by going to the state park and stopped in at the front desk to see if anyone was there just to ask them how the bugs were. But uh, within, I don't know, less than 10 seconds, I was being like, not just ones and twos, like swarmed by them. Like if you wave your hat over your head, you feel your hand hitting them. Like that's how many there were, you know. So I jumped in the truck and I brought my binoculars and I rode, tried road hunting mushrooms. Which sometimes I'm like, is this stupid or not? But um, no, it's probably a good idea, actually. Last yeah. fall, I started doing that, and it worked. Because again, like you know, chanterelles, you're not going to find them with binoculars. That I understand because they grow down in the ground. But different kinds of shelf mushrooms that grow on trees, they generally have distinct whites and oranges and colors to them, you know. And then so I brought a bug suit and all my stuff. If I spotted anything, um. If I spotted anything, then I was going to suit up and, you know, go in and go after it. But 
I didn't spot anything. And the state park's on a lake, and I kind of got lost actually going to the lake and watching birds. Wow. So, birds. There, yeah, because there's cormorans and blue herons and egrets and Canada's and all kinds of stuff in this area. So, I did uh-huh. more of that than anything. So, the uh, summertime uh, mushroom mushroom hunting has yet to pan out for me but if we can just get rid of the mosquitoes and if i could actually get in the woods then i'll be i'll be after it full throttle yeah 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 man i haven't i have not well we just don't have mushrooms around here in the summer to deal with so i haven't messed with that at all but all i've been doing is shooting my bow a little bit and get ready for elk season and i think that's in what is day the 27th so man only like 45 days for me and i'll be leaving on that um, so I've been trying to shoot that every day when there's, when it's not hot out or too windy, which the combination of that is usually every day here. And the mosquitoes yeah. bad out at your place or not? God, you know, they weren't bad at all. Um, I think what is today's Monday, I think like Friday, Friday, I think we got just a teeny bit, like a quarter inch rain, man. And before that I could be out in the garden or out in the backyard shooting or whatever. And like, I won't even see a mosquito at dusk, nothing. We went here, we went see one. We got that teeny little shot of rain, and it's like just sprinkled like magic powder on them, and really? they blew up. And and now they're out. I mean, it's I've definitely seen way worse, but they're back. I mean, we have some, so it's not mm-hmm. it's not horrendous enough to feed some frogs and some fish, probably, but you know nothing crazy. So I don't know if good. it's I don't know if it's statewide, but one thing I noticed when I've been out in South Dakota dove hunting several years in September is how bad the flies are. No, the flies are the worst here. Oh my gosh, it's unreal! And like, I don't know why. I I tried to. I was trying to explain it to somebody, and like, I mean, it's one of those like, you can't open a car door or get in fast enough, or or shut the door fast enough, you know. And and you'll have fifty flies inside your vehicle. Yeah, it's terrible. And then I mean, like trying to eat dinner outside is almost impossible. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just constantly kicking your legs because you feel like a dang like a dead carcass or somebody flies landed on your legs and your feet and. Yeah, that's exactly. annoying. Like, I mean, it's they don't bite you at least, I guess. So that's one positive, but they're just they're just annoying. And I mean, who wants a fly crawling all over them? Yeah, no just, constantly, just, just constantly just constantly on you. Yeah, and they're probably just sitting on dog poop. You know, twenty seconds before they're sitting on your legs. So I think that's what bugs me about flies so much. I think to myself, where was that thing sitting ten minutes ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not. I don't dig them. That's we get them really, really bad here and. I'm assuming maybe it's partially just because there's so much cattle. I don't, I don't know what the real explanation is, but it's bad. I, right when I moved here, I think 12 years ago, um, South Dakota, I lived in a house that had a feedlot literally in the backyard. Like I could stand on my back door and throw a rock and hit a cow, multiple cows. And the flies in that place, I mean, it was an old farmhouse and I was there for a few months. Um, just as I was waiting for another house to open up and that was something else. I mean, it was disgusting oh, like man. You to put a fan on you to sleep, not to keep cool or because of the sound, but to keep the flies off of you. It was, it was Yuck. terrible. Yeah. It was not good. Uh, <clears throat> it was gross. Yeah. So that's, man, that's kind of all I've been doing. I haven't done a whole lot. I mean, it feels good to shoot and to work out and get ready for that kind of stuff. And I just spent a couple hundred bucks on, bunch of freeze-dried food to take into the mountains with me and getting going on that stuff. But, you know, I don't have as many – I fish a little bit, but I don't have as many, like, summer pastimes as I 
as I used to. Like, remember, you know, this time you're and you see it, you see it on Instagram now a lot. Is like dudes out pigeon hunting like crazy, and there's people that are super mm-hmm. into it. And I remember, like, we used to do it, Bill, and I don't. You were with a few times I did it. I used to do it a ton. Well, you, me, Mike, and there's a boy and a few of us. Like we were religious about it. And I was thinking about pigeon hunting recently. We did it more in the winter, right? Yeah, it was always a winter. It was like an off season when you couldn't. An off really, season. And, you and then and our style was to find pigeon barns. Yeah, it's so different now. I mean, now there's like guys that are like set up with equipment for it with full, <laughs> full blown decoy spread full body decoy spreads and spinners and sitting in, you know, chairs and blinds and whatnot. And yeah, we did it. It was so different. Like it was it was kind of fun. Like we drive around uh this all throughout the countryside basically in southern Minnesota and we kind of always knew like certain areas where there tended to be a lot of pigeons, like if someone had a dairy farm or all the same places they'd be now where people mm-hmm. decoy them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had like always kind of hot spots where, you know, a certain barn yep. or a certain silo would always hold, you know, twenty to fifty pigeons in it and You'd line everybody up. First, you'd have to go ask permission. You have to get permission, which, yep, that was tricky which question, time. Which was questionable because, in granted, like that, I understand why people would maybe say no because you're in their farmyard. Mm-hmm. So that's always that was always an issue. But like, and so then you go, you go do that, and, you know, and think this is kids that were anywhere from 21 to probably 17 at the time, 16 mm-hmm. at the time, and we'd drive around and find pigeons or go to our old hot spots and we'd go and basically line people up outside the door of the barn and one guy would have to get stuck going inside to kind of chase them all chase out. Chase them out, yeah. Which that was an art in itself. You couldn't just it, go in and chase them all out at once. No, sort of, no you, yeah, you need to trickle. Yeah, you try to trickle them. To trickle. And, and a good barn guy would let you know when they were coming. Oh, yeah, you had to holler. But if the problem with that, though, if you hollered, that was kind of like another impetus for him to, to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if 20 pigeons came out all at once, and you had four guys shooting, you're probably doing pretty good if you drop five of them. Well, yeah, that's real good. Yeah, that was because they come out at about Mach 7. Well, and pigeons coming out of the barn had that, like, barn duck. They come yeah, they drop know, 20 they feet drop. out, and they drop. And then up, and then, yeah, they're, they're something else. The best ones were always, like, the, the barn with a real narrow opening or, like, a one small teeny opening where only one could get out at a time. Then... Then you could actually do some pigeon control, but <laughs> the other, all the other ways, oof, those suckers, they had the, they had the, the, uh, better odds of getting away on those for sure. So, but it is it's pretty foreign. Go ahead. What's Ryan. that? I was going to say it's pretty foreign to me. I've, I've never done the pigeon <laughs> hunting thing, but, um, it sounds like fun. Like, um, but same, I mean, it's not, you would think that farmers would want the pigeons out of their barns. They generally do. I mean, yeah. I would say most of the time, it was probably 75% of the time, if someone had a ton of them in there, like they'd let us go do it. Yeah. Sometimes we'd go in with a pellet gun inside and get them that way too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just kind of like a fun, you definitely weren't going to be living. I mean, you, we were not shooting 150 or something like that, like dudes do now in a, in a field. Right. But it was a, if you really wanted to work on shooting, that was I mean, a pretty good way to do it because you were not going to find a tougher, a tougher shooting scenario than a, bar, a pigeon coming out of a barn sideways 
And, then and, and it was always close range, so it was good developing some of that snap instinctive shooting. Oh yeah, you weren't you weren't like truly leading. I mean, you were just putting the gun out right. where you expected them to be and going because it was. It's a, I mean, honestly, it makes shooting a um, hanging mallard seem like child play. Mm-hmm. If you got a guy, if you got a guy that could shoot pigeons consistently out of a barn, that guy's going to be able to take any kind of duck out of the air at whatever speed because they're way harder. Mm-hmm. I have a little, a little bit to brag on myself here. So in my house, we have a little, we have a barn. Um, we have a, like a small acreage. We've got a barn in the back and we just moved in here about 10 years ago. Remember that first fall? Um, I went, I'd seen a bunch of pigeons flying around our barn and I thought, well, we don't want those in there pooping or anything. So I went in there. Or I walked up to the edge, and I took um, took my shotgun. I think I had five shells, and there was five in there. I, I just took five shells just randomly, and I got all of them. Like three came out at once, and I got those, and then two came out a little bit later, and I got those. Which, I mean, that was like for me unheard of in that scenario. Oh, five <laughs> five on pigeons is good. Yeah, it was wild. But the crazier thing about it, and that was that was ten years ago. There hasn't been a single pigeon back in there since. Really? Not a one. I guess you should normally normally I mean, I think they're just scared. Normally that was like immediate. Like, you know, like you could shoot twenty five out of it and they were back in there right away, but there's a few, there's enough pigeons around here. I mean not a ton, but some that they just don't go in there. So maybe it's because yeah. they knew a, a sharpshooter showed up. Yeah, I don't know. I've never like I've never seen them just not completely vacate a place. You know, it's crazy. But, you know, another kind of funny pigeon story. Um, So this was good. Oh, this was a long time ago. This was back when I had my uh, brand new little um, Dodge Dakota. Mm -hmm. Me and and our friend Mike, we kind of went on a little little journey. We went down like kind of southeast Minnesota where it gets a little hillier. And there's a little, there's more dairy stuff down there. And we, so we, we were thinking in our heads like, oh boy. You know, this is going to be the area to go, so let's go check it out. So we went for a drive. We get down, and we we stopped at a few spots, and we shot a few pigeons. Nothing crazy, and it was, um, it wasn't like a super cold day. It was probably in like March or something on like a halfway decent day. I remember we, I don't I have no idea where we were somewhere, somewhere west and south of Rochester, probably a ways, and we ended up um coming down like this kind of little curvy gravel road and we could see through the trees and like the opening we saw a silo and so you know we're both like oh yeah we'll stop in here and we come down the road and we get in front of the house and we both kind of laughed at each other right away because on the people's front steps were two sheep laying on the on the front steps kind of like you would see like a doberman or two black labs or you know, something like that. And um, they're just sitting there. And as we drove in and like their driveway went around to the back of the house, and that's kind of where you went in, you know? So we, we drove in there and we parked in the back. And as soon as we got like into the driveway, the sheep popped off the steps, walked down the stairs and like kind of ran semi towards my truck, but like towards the back door of the house more than anything. So we're kind of like, well, this is weird, but we didn't even, think twice really about it you know if it had been two barking dogs like you normally get we would have been like all right well what are we gonna do here who wants to get out 
put your, you know, stick your hand out a little bit, see what they do. So mm-hmm. we just got out and the sheep were like in between. And we were probably I don't know, 25 yards from where we parked to their um, back door. And we, we walked up to the, to the back door and the sheep followed us right away, <laughs> which was not, you know, nothing like super crazy. But as we knocked on the door, they like came or we got, we got right to the door. And all of a sudden they started kind of like charging at us, like fake charging a little bit. And, and we kind of started laughing because we didn't, I mean, we didn't know what was going on. So all of a sudden, like, but then they got more aggressive and these stupid things like came at us. Like one of them came after me and one came after Mike. And the one, like, I remember I was, I was looking at Mike and I was laughing at him because he had his hands full on on the one sheep's head, trying to hold it back. Mm-hmm. It was like pushing at him, like trying to like buck at him, like get to him. <laughs> and and the other one was coming at me and it kind of like did like a fake little like, you know, lunge towards me. And I turned to kind of go away from it. And I turned sideways for just a second. And I looked at Mike and the stinking sheep came and it smoked me right in the hip. Boom. It like bucked me. And it kind of sent me flying a little bit, like not to the <laughs> air, but just pushed me enough that I tripped over the people's rain gutter. <laughs> I'm tripped, laying down on the ground and the sheep comes at me. So I take off. And I haul ass and jump in the back of my truck. And the, and the sheep is like following me. And then I look back and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm like a little scared because this sheep is crazy and wasn't expecting it, but kind of laughing my ass off too. And I'm in the back of the truck and Mike is over there, like fending off the sheep with his hands. And then the one that was at me went back to him. So he had to, <laughs> and I like kind of like play like a, you know, like a attention getter to like get him to come at me again. And then he came and ran in the truck too. So then we were, we were sitting there with these two stupid sheep right below us. We had, I don't remember how we got back in my truck, but I think they walked back to the house. But that was my, that was like the most probably adventure I've had on a pigeon hunt. Did you um, ever talk to the landowners? No, they weren't home. So we didn't even get to, we didn't even get to like hunt, which sucked, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, it would have been. I don't know if I even went after that because I'd have been so embarrassed. Like, you know, they probably would have been watching out their window or something. <laughs> Look at these two clowns. Jeez, what did you guys they say? They to fend off a sheep. <laughs> we don't want them with guns around our place. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah that had to, that had to be a funny conversation when you got back in the truck. Yeah, we like we were laughing our asses <laughs> off so bad. I mean, like we felt kind of silly, but it was funny. I mean, it was. It was kind of a good and makes for a good story later on. And it's like they had the guard sheep, basically. I mean, I would I'd take them over, you know, some of the other run-ins I've had with dogs, but it was kind of funny at the time. Mm, yeah, yeah, we we drove out of there. I think we went home after that because we were laughing so hard. And <laughs> yeah, we we we'd had enough at that point. I'd probably call that a day. Yeah, that was we were done. We were done at that deal. Yeah, so that's one of my one of my past summer experiences, but. Yeah, I just don't do much with that anymore. I think my next little project here is uh, I got a bunch of photos. I think I've had them since we started this. Again, I haven't put them back up yet, um, but I do have to put some canvas back up on my wall and get those done. And the one I'm actually looking right now, Bill, is the one of uh, just an eight by eight of the one of you, me, um, Levi, Peter, the four of us, and we shot those twenty greenheads in like. 45 sure. minutes or something that was the day after i got stranded in the town in that snowstorm 
Oh, that's right. That was that. Was that the first, that was your first hunt that then? That was my first hunt down there this last uh, season. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I was thinking it was your second. Yeah, yeah. What a good way to get reintroduced to that. Oh man, yeah, that was super good. That hunt was actually fantastic. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite hunts I've ever had. Being able to pick out, I mean, because we had we had bunches, we had pairs, we had singles. Like every one of them, just basically like hanging over the decoys when we shot. If I remember right, we had a moment where, correct me if I'm wrong, I might have it confused with another hunt, but we had so many like coming in, cupping their wings, landing that uh, you actually, I think, turned to me and the other guys hunting and said, I don't know if we should shoot into this much right now. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, it was kind of like a tornado of like ducks just coming around. We just let them all go, I think. I think we did because <clears> it was just too many to shoot. I mean, not that we, yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm getting at. I just don't want to shoot yeah, you don't huge burn bunches. Mm-hmm. you don't want to burn your spot i mean if you can you have limited limited traffic and you just i mean i don't know that i don't know if they know the difference between getting scared out or getting shot at but i know i'd rather just push them out let them kind of get out on their own than i would shoot at them because that's a definitely a different experience for them i think so mm-hmm. but yeah that day was good we i'm pretty sure we had our limit before, right when the sun was starting to crack the horizon well the the picture that i'm looking at here is we're all like the shadows are really, really, really long. Sure. That. So that was it was really early. You know, part of that was just because of like, well, the the sun was in their eyes. It yep. was kind of a it was a southeast wind. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you're right. It was a southeast wind, and it was sunny, and it was clear. So you know, they had that going against them, and we had it working in our favor. Um, and then we were hidden well, and we kind of had the way that we had the spread set up. Um, that we had it so that they weren't focused on us really as much as like kind of the side of us. So that worked out really slick. Do you remember too, like shortly into that hunt, we knew we had to move the boat too. I remember like right away, we, we, we said we should have moved the boat. We didn't move the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny how that happens? You know what you need to do, but when you're in like that happy hour time, you don't want to, I don't know. You don't want to move even though you know you should. Yeah, I wanted to move because other people didn't want to move, so mm-hmm. we didn't. And then we did, and then it was like the last little bit was even way better, which was so dumb. I mean, it was a, like a 10, 10 feet we moved it. Uh, it's all we had. We just had to pitch it different. Yeah, turn it different, and it was like every – and then I mean, we only needed like four or five ducks at that point, but yeah, that was that was sweet after that. Was. that. Yeah, and that was like, well, every duck we shot was decoying well. But uh, when we moved the boat and put more of the sun into our favor, that was like truly decoying birds. Well, that's what it, I mean, just what a difference. Yeah, like we were able to let them just sit there and hover and hover and hover. Even when we stood up, they don't, I don't think they even knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, that, that was one of those days that I wish we had a video camera to record a hunting video that shows birds actually getting shot truly over the decoys. And I don't mean like over the decoys, but like damn near in the decoys. Yeah, fall in because, the decoys. Because a lot of ducks get shot over the decoys up high, mm-hmm. but not in the decoys like that where you're shooting. Like I feel like almost every almost every first shot I took, my gun was like parallel to the to the ground. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good sign that you are doing things right. Yeah, and you, when, you, when, when you don't have to lead 
you just point and shoot. You know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. When they're at under 20, under 25 yards and they're not high, I would put a, I'd like to put a, a disclaimer on every YouTube video, every duck hunting production that's ever been out that when people say, Oh, we smashed him today. Here's the video. And then you watch the video and it's like essentially a mallard flying overhead and they happen to be in the flight path or maybe mm-hmm. they made a, maybe they made a swing over the decoys, but they're just coming over and then they get shot mm-hmm. and they gun and their guns at like a 70 degree angle. Like that's not really, I mean, I guess you could make a somewhat of an argument that they're coming towards the decoys, but I wouldn't say that they're decoying, like finishing. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody likes to pride themselves on, oh, we shoot the birds the best and da 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 da. Um, occasionally, I like to just poke one if there's one that's just not acting right. And he's done it a bunch of times. I'll do that. But, you know, generally, man, there's something about just shooting them over the top of the decoys like that that is, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that goes back to the, you know, what, you know, we've talked about before. It's the process of fooling the birds. Like, just as much as it is shooting them. Yeah. And, I, and you know, and I mean, that's where I get my rocks off is, you know, um, you know, I mean, granted, you know, we, we all might, you know, stretch the barrel, but you know, we don't do it very, we really don't do it very often. You know, most of what we shoot is what you would consider decoying birds, you know, in between 10 and 20 yards where you just, where you just point and shoot. Um, yeah. And they're hovering. And exactly. And they're hovering and, you know, and, you know, we hunt deep water some too, and or majority where we hunt deep water and, you know, and there's a lot of brush and we don't, you know, it's very hard to hunt a dog in there because, you know, ducks dive and, you know, and a dog, you know, when a dog's chasing a live duck, you know, it's not going to stop. So it's kind of dangerous to hunt dogs in, you know, so I guess my point in saying that is like, you know, we like to shoot them right. Because if we cripple one, if we don't, we shoot long and we cripple one or something, you know, then we got to get out and get it, you know, or, or, I mean, get out and go go on the chase, Mm -hmm. you know, so, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just don't have any interest in doing that. And like I say, and to me, it's just all about, you know, the, the shooting part is just, it's just the last step of the, um, you know, it's just step five, you're finishing it, it, you know, if you're to me and if you're past shooting, which there's nothing wrong with it. Some some people do it, some don't. But like, you're just missing all the steps in between. Yeah, I'm actually okay with pass shooting. I've done it on snow geese a bit, and I don't hate it, but I don't call it decoying. Yeah, you know, it's just different. Like, I don't. That's what I think is annoying when you see people saying, "Oh, we had them in our faces," and then you see the actual reality of the video. And granted, you know, a lot of video cameras make things seem farther, but gun angles don't. I mean, that's not changed. Like that's if someone's pointing yes. a gun straight up in the air. Like mm-hmm. you're not shooting a bird that's like landing in your decoy. So that's always a different thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is. I mean, that's the whole. That's the whole thing. Like you said, from most guys who, especially, well, even I mean, diver. I wasn't say not diver hunters, but man, like you know, we can get a diver right up in there, and that's and that's a whole different deal shooting a diver that's three feet over the water than just shooting at a flock of jacks that are you know, whizzing by at 40. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different experience. So. You know, to tell that, you know, talking about decoying birds, like it made me think of this story and I probably shouldn't tell it because, 
I mean, because it, it was bad. Like, I mean, this is, it, I'm, I'm making fun of myself here by telling this story, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, last November, me and Kyle Jones, we went out to Oklahoma to hunt and, um, you know, we were in this sweet little timber hole set up and, and, um, you know, I, you know, I had just killed a green head and I think Kyle just killed a green head and, and there was a couple more ducks coming in. And, um, I think I had one shell in my gun and there was a green head. I'm telling you like five foot off the water, you know, 10 feet in front of me, not 10 yards. And like, I jumped up and missed it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. With like, one shell. And that's all I had was one. I only had one shell in there. And it's just like, I mean, I, you know, we all miss from time to time, but I was as mad at myself about that. Like, you know, I, I mean, I just, you know, and it's one of those, I don't, you know, consider myself to be a, a better than average shot. And I don't know. It was, I one would of, concur. it, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, but I mean, I flat out, I didn't wing this duck. I no more took a feather off of him. I mean, I flat ass missed him. <laughs> At what 10 feet. The, what was the duck? Wasn't when you were up, wasn't there a, a flock or a single or something that one of us just completely whiffed on? Or maybe yeah. we both did. I, I'm actually just thinking it was you because I was making fun of him. I'm like, well, you don't even have a bead on your shotgun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. There's nothing there. It's just a, it's just a barrel. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Man, but, um, but, but you. If it wasn't. Me but not. it was, I, but well, and that I remember how mad at you got at yourself, like, because it's just one of those, like you know, everybody misses from, but like, it's it's the stupid shots. Oh yeah, it was a chip <laughs> like, shot. Should have been. Yeah, and that's exactly what this was. And like, and the thing is, I still have no clue how I missed it. I mean, evidently, I just one thing I can figure is I just didn't get my head down because I mean, I don't even, you know, it was one of those really didn't even have to aim. I wouldn't have thought, but Kyle looked at me like, yeah, I got that on film. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. You just kind of turn and look at you and just go. Yeah. Mm, wait for your reaction before they say anything. Yeah, uh, I've had that with turkeys. I missed um, two seasons ago. I think I missed like three turkeys in the first like two days of season. You did? But yes, it was not good. My buddy on a, on a trip. My buddy Ben hunted with me, and after the last one, he just kind of turned his head and looked. And I got up and just walked out, picked up decoy, and we walked off. And nobody said a word for like the next like hour. So Man, that, might, that would probably me. have been a case where that wasn't a case of where any no gun, no ammo, no none of that would have made a difference because I think like Ryan said I just didn't. I was I don't I mean I shouldn't get nervous over shooting turkeys, but I still do a little bit, and I just don't think I had my head down on the barrel, and that was uh, was not pretty. But the next year, the next year, I made a little redemption on that, so I don't think I missed any out of out of eleven. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, that would surprise me. Like, I mean, because I mean, you're on your game when you shoot. So, yeah, shotgun in my hand, I'm pretty comfortable. Especially yeah. decoy. I mean, not saying you're a bad shot at distance shooting, but some about bolt blind and decoy shooting, you are one of the better ones I've hunted with. Yeah, I mean, it's just the thing I do, so I better be good at it. I hope. Yeah, that but, you're always hunting. You're always hunting the same hole. You're. I mean, you're just used to. Well, you know, sometimes not yeah. much lately. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're I get angry. little little stretches. Yeah, where I can be. 
Yeah, you get you know you know your angles. Hold and, the same hole of my boat. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. I got. Yeah, you. yeah, that's what I was talking about. The same shooting space in your boat. So yeah, you know that probably does matter. That is probably that is probably a little part of it. But I'm okay shooting out of other boats and stuff too. So, <clears throat> but I know like, um, you know, I mean, like it, it's just a whole comfort level thing. Like, you know, when I was out in California hunting in December, you know the 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 way they had the blinds set up, you know, it's like two people per blind. And I don't know, like it was, it was just very odd the the setup, not that it was really so much odd more so than it's just something I was not used to. And like, you know, so, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I didn't shoot horrible, but I, I definitely didn't shoot good, but I mean, I just was, you know, I, I was just off. Like I was just not used to my you know surroundings. And then, you know, the second day I you know, was quite a bit better, but, you know, it's just one of those when when you feel comfortable when you're when you're, you know when you're used to it you're going to shoot better. I would you know when you think about what it comes down to like whether someone's going to kill ducks or not when they're in range is if you're comfortable like with your surroundings and if you've and how much you've done it mm-hmm. because yeah. I mean those two things right there. What else is there? I mean, you know, like shooting trap and all that. Yeah. It it can help, but I mean, I take a guy. I mean, I don't ever touch my shotgun outside of duck season. Like, I literally do not ever shoot trap. And no, I don't either. I feel like one of us could go shoot his ducks as well as anybody who spends all summer shooting trap. Um, there's a point, I suppose, where it probably really matters. You know, when you're 16 mm-hmm. and you haven't shot a lot of ducks, like just being around the gun helps a lot. Yeah, um, but it doesn't necessarily make it. You know, it's, it's not the same as shooting a duck. And I was, I've always say this is, you know, you can go shoot all the trap in the world, but like when you put a flying mallard that you haven't shot a lot of in front of you, that's a whole different deal than shooting a clay pigeon, um, which for me, I relate that exactly to me shooting my bow all summer. You know, I shot, I think yesterday I shot 30 arrows um, at 60 yards and every one of them was well, probably less than a, like a paper plate, maybe a paper plate, you mm-hmm. know, but man, when you put an elk standing in front of me at 30 yards, I mean, I feel like, I feel I'm standing there. I feel like I might not hit the elk in general, you know, and this thing that's the size of a horse. <laughs> yeah. So it's just such a, it's not the same experience as shooting a target. So just repetition of doing it and doing it and doing it. There's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's going to make you better than that. So, and I found too, and I found too, like when I go to get to shooting, like if I think about it too long, I'm gonna miss. Like I'm oh, more yeah. of an I'm more of an instinct shooter. Like you know, but if it's you know, I don't know. It's just odd if if I if I think about it too much, then yeah, if you're trying you know, to track it, yeah, like, then truly I, I, lead I, I overdo it. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. aim. If you're aiming, that's not a good sign. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, it's one of those. You know, there's so many. We can get into this in just a minute. I mean, there's how many how many different things do people do? to try to fix their shooting. The one that just drives me nuts. And I like, there's nothing I think you could do worse than this is people try to put those like big, like holographic sights or really bright, big beads and all that kind of stuff on the gun. I'm like, no, no, like you're doing the opposite. Like you don't want to think of that. Like yeah, you yeah. don't want to see that stuff. Like that shouldn't even be factor into your, your shooting at all. Cause that's going <laughs> to, then you're focusing on that thing and not on what's just, like you're not taking it all in one smooth motion. 
you know, I don't, yeah. I don't always shoot the best. I consider myself, I don't know, it depends. I'm high and low. Sometimes I shoot horrible. Sometimes I shoot well. That's, but an, at the, accurate, that's an accurate description of your shooting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not consistent. <laughs> I am not. It's sad. Um, <laughs> but uh, when, <laughs> when I'm on, um, I guess in the past I've had people say, so, oh, that was a, that was a good shot. Did you, uh, did you put it out in front of their beak? Did you? And every time I'm shooting well, I can't tell you what I did. That's yeah, because it just occurs. Because it just occurs, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, you, it's just something that happens. You don't even really know. It's just like when you, like, you're chewing something, you swallow. Like, you don't, you're not thinking about it. It just occurs and boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's the only way that people will ever be a truly good shot is when that, when they get to that point, I think. And the only way to to develop that ability is be out there to do a lot of it. Keep hunting. Yeah. If you're not doing that's yeah. Like no sight, no new gun, no new ammo. None of that is going to fix that. I feel like, you know, like if you're shooting, what's that? I was going to say nothing, you know, none of these fancy chokes or, or, um, these sh- shells or anything are going to make you put your head down on your gun and look down the barrel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. You know, like, I mean, there's, there's some value in some of this like new ammo because it's like ammo right now is the big rage. It seems like, and there's, and then there's definitely some value in different shot, um, you know, densities and shot sizes and options that we have. But I feel like any miss that I've ever had, isn't because like the shell the, didn't do its job. It's because I didn't put the shell where it needed to be. Yeah. And there's probably, you know, I'm sure if a guy, you know, say you shot a duck at 30 yards, like on your third shot, duck going away and your pattern's not as dense and you could have shot six shot rather than two shot. And maybe you would have broke a wing and said, well, okay. Yeah. There's probably a few of those, but I feel like 90% of my misses are just straight up my own misses. And that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, it's never an instance of like, yeah, I missed them. But if I would have bought that, that better shotgun shell, I know that bird would have been dead. Like that's, well, you know, you, I used to think that. I know. Like I did, like, you know, before I was a good shot. Like when I was in my twenties, like I was not a great shot. Like I I had I I fulfilled the little thing of I could shoot clay pigeons with the best of them, but I was not awesome on ducks because I just had not shot a huge quantity of them. <clears throat> and I got nervous and excited when they came in and I didn't put my head down and I pulled the trigger three times real fast and then the flock was gone and I maybe had one. But now I feel like if you get the ducks in right and you get them in how they should be, I mean, even even with regular steel shot to 35 yards, maybe 40, like if you get them in there, right, like, and you hit them, like they're going to die. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. I don't know if a guy, if a guy wants to push those ranges, you know, if you want to shoot at 50 to 60, there's definitely, then, then like steel shot is going to lose a lot of its it's knockdown power and it's penetration power when you get to that kind of stuff. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to shoot at those ranges and, and they say they don't, but then when they miss, you know, they blame it immediately on the shell. I'm like, well, 
it's not really the shell's fault if you're shooting them in range. If you're shooting a duck under 35 to 40 yards and you're not killing them, it's not because of a shell, I don't think. If you want to shoot pass shoot or shoot just further further ducks, well then yeah, then you probably should look into that stuff. Yeah, you know, one of the one thing I always think is funny is when someone so say someone is looking and I heard this a lot of Cabela's. Someone is looking at brand X. Say they're say they're looking at a Remington um steel load, three inch, two shot, ounce and a quarter, going fourteen hundred and fifteen fourteen hundred and fifty feet per second, like your standard kind of high speed <clears throat> shell. And then, you know, someone asked you about that and said, Oh yeah, you know, that's a good load. And then you said, but oh yeah, you know, I like I like fast steel. I like that same load, but in the fast steel. That's just what I'm like, I've always shot that and I've had good luck and got a oh no, that stuff doesn't hit hard enough. I'm <laughs> like, well, it's the same pellet size going the same speed. So somehow you mean to tell me like if that pellet hits them from a different shell, like it, it impacts them differently. Like, no, that's not how it works yeah. really. But people like to, you know, no one ever wants to blame themselves for, for not being the best shot or the best hunter or whatever. So there's always these things that people can buy to you know, try to be better. Yeah. I'll say, I'm going to go back. Like, like you said, every, every miss shot I've ever made is because I had my head up my ass and, and it was my fault. It had nothing to do with the choke tube. It had nothing to do with the 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 size or shot I was shooting. I just pulled your gun backboard, and were the <laughs> were the forcing cones lengthened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like my whole argument about that whole forcing cone thing is like if it makes it if it's that much better, then why doesn't Benelli do it at the factory? Yeah, well, it seems like it would be a no brainer. Yeah, like, so <clears throat> yeah, I've yeah. I've questioned the same thing myself. I mean, and, and I'm, and believe me, I'm not a ballistics expert. No, um, I don't we'll hear think, it. Yeah. Why? <clears throat> but, um, but I say, I just think, you know, Benelli makes, you know, they, a lot of people think, and they claim to make the best gun in the world. Like, but if, if lengthening the forcing cone was that much better, why would, and evidently and it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a major undertaking to do. Why wouldn't they just do it themselves? Yeah, rather than have to like have to have to send your gun off to someone to do it for a few hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah I'd say, you know, I don't know. You know, I think I mean it goes back to good marketing, really. I mean, is what it is. People and people are looking for way. I mean, just you can you can talk guns, you can talk duck calls. I mean, I'll admit as much as anyone when I was the whole between the ages of probably nineteen and. I don't know, 25, I went through how many duck calls and how many goose calls trying to find, you know, the one, like mm -hmm. the magic call that was all going to, all of a sudden going to make me sound like Kelly Powers or make me sound like John Stevens or whatever. Like, you know, and then I learned that, okay, that's not what it is. It's practice and practicing with a purpose and doing it. <clears throat> that's what it was, but it sure, it seems a lot easier to buy your way out of that kind of stuff than it does to, you know, actually work yeah. at it. So I'm, you know, one thing I thought was funny when I was out in South Dakota hunting, like, I mean, I never spit, like, when I buy shells, it's, um, you know, it's the federal blue box or estates or, yep. you know, whatever is like a hundred dollars a case. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, exactly. So like, I thought, you know, well, nobody probably spends less on shells than, 
than I do. And then I get out there and I look at you and you're shooting. I know exactly what I was shooting. The Cabela's <laughs> brand. Yeah. Like, like two and three quarter inch fours. <laughs> yeah. It was like the cheapest stuff I could get. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I spent like six bucks a box. <laughs> yeah. I had, a, I used to have a, I used to, when I worked there, I would, I was, um, the people who worked in the bargain cave would make sure to let me know when ammo came in sometimes if they didn't get it themselves. <laughs> so I would always go try to buy cases or boxes of whatever it was, anything yeah. that was steel that came in, I bought it. And that was like some old herders brand stuff. And man, yeah, I, that's, what it, that. that's what it was. Yep. Herders, not it was herders. herders. Yep. Yep. And I'll shoot that. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, these last few years I've been shooting fast steel and that's by no means an expensive show, but I mean, I got, I mean, I'll shoot that. That's probably what I've shot. 75% of my birds with over the last years. Yeah. Just, and this is inexpensive as anything. I'm always other than some of the random kind of yeah. one off type stuff. But one thing I always stick with, like, I mean, no matter what brand it is, like, I always shoot three inch threes, you know, ounce and a quarter. Yep. And, and three inch twos. Yeah. Like and I, yeah. Like I said, and, and I, I don't ever steer it like, you know, and I don't really have a, a perfect reason why, but. I just, that's, I just always, no matter what brand I get, I, that's just what I've always got. I just always like the threes and in my luck, if I got twos, I'd be like, mm. you know, if I miss that bird, I'd be like, damn, I should have got threes. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's all, yeah. You know, it's in your head. There's always something yeah. missing. All right. Well, since we, you know, have decided that, uh, ammo isn't the cure. I mean, it's gotta be shotguns then that and we'll fix it. And if you buy a new shotgun, That'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. Just like getting right? new golf clubs make you a better golfer, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. If I went and just slapped on a a brand new set of the best golf clubs ever, I would probably you know be shooting two or three under on any course. I bet. Yeah, yeah. I've never touched a golf club club before, but no, nor have I. <laughs> nor do I. Will I ever again? I kind of like <laughs> to take that as a point of pride actually <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding. but there yeah, is yeah. a little bit of like familiarity to your shotgun though is kind of important like understanding your gun oh for sure knowing how it shoots and just being comfortable with one i mean should i've had mine for it's got to be 20 years now yeah what do I you say that old super black is it always one. just that one the version that's the only one I've ever shot. Yeah, at Ducks firm. I mean, since I got it, that's been a long, long. That was, that was like when I started at Cabela's. I got it. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. Um, I've had horrible, the thing. I've, the thing is just horrendous. I mean, it looks like shit. I kind of I love it now because it's such a good like conversation piece that when I pull it out of the case, you know, it looks like it's been run through hell, which it has, and it still shoots great and. People always say, "Oh, you should get a new gun." I'm like, no, I'm good. This one shoots, and yeah, it, and it yeah. shoots straight. And and I, I've got the old like dad joke of whenever I hand it out of the boat to someone to set it down, I was telling them not to scratch it. Yeah, but there's yeah. really, but there's really like no bluing left to scratch. So they look at me and I do it and they laugh and they go, "Oh, got it." <laughs> yeah, I just look at that gun and just I don't know. I just think about. I mean that that's a duck hunter's gun. You know, like one of my favorite photos I've ever snapped, and and actually one of the like the most uh, well received photos I've ever had on my Instagram page was a photo I put up of uh, 
my shotgun and Keith Allen's shotgun, which he has an old Super Black Eagle one too. Both of ours are spray painted various colors and mm-hmm. all like all the bluing and metal is worn off on the top of the receiver. Um, kind of anywhere where it would touch, you know, like the bottom of the boat or your shoulder or whatever. And I put that picture up. It was in our boat, in my boat line. And like so many people just commented on that. And like, I love it. It just kind of shows like two old duck guns that not, not that 20 years old is like ancient, but yeah. you know, not many make it that long. Really? Absolutely not. And like I said, I've had horrible luck with shotguns. Like, you know, in 2001, when I graduated college, like my dad bought me a, um, for a graduation gift, he bought me a um, Winchester Super X2, and I shot it for I don't know ten or eleven years, and shot I mean shot it a lot, and um, it started having light primer strikes, and like evidently it's such a common problem with Winchesters, like you know if you just type in go to Google and type in like Winchester Super X2, like LIG, it'll pop up light primer strike. <laughs> So, you know, um, you know, so I sent it back to Winchester a couple times and had, you know, um, Lynn McCutcheon, who's a, a renowned gunsmith in the area, look at it. And like, it just, it was just a common problem. And like, um, two or three other guys in the club had them, you know, and theirs did the same thing. So I thought, you know, so, you know, I was getting like two primer, light primer strikes per box of shells, which is, you know, that's pretty significant. That's frustrating. Yeah. Oh, you know, and yeah. It, it, and it always happens on a on a flock of a hundred teal or or something like that. So, anyways, so I mean, I've still got the gun, but I thought you know I just kind of lost faith in it. So I bought a um, I bought a Benellium too. Well, come to find out, like after a couple of trips back to the factory and all that, the tracks weren't aligned properly in it. It was a lemon. Mm. So Benelli gave me my money back. Very frustrating. So then I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, Mike, I'm going to buy one more gun. Like, cause I mean, I'm literally not a gadget guy or like all that. I was like, I just want a gun that I can shoot for the next 30 years or 40 years, however long I'm going to be alive. So I bought a Beretta um, Explorer. Well, the thing would not cycle shells (laughs) at all. That's kind of a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And it went back to. Beretta like three or four different times like and they would send it back saying it was fixed you know and I would go out and like it would not eject it it would not cycle the shells they were getting hung on the what they called the gate you know in the oh, gun yeah so you know so I mean had you know you know final flight you know Mr. Billy you know like he was getting frustrated with with, with Beretta it's like you know when I when I when I send you a gun personally as the gunsmith and tell you something's wrong with it Something's wrong with it. And so finally, like, um, Brett had given me my money back on that. And, um, I bought a super black Eagle three and, um, I guess this would be like my, maybe my fourth season with it. And I, you know, I, I love it. It's, um, it's been great so far. I haven't had any, really haven't had any issues. Like, you know, I've read like online where people say they, shoot high or, or something. I don't know whether they do or not. I haven't ever patterned it, but you know, I tend to do all right with it. Ducks so. fall when you shoot. That's the, the key. I, you know, if I yeah. was you, I wouldn't even pattern it because then it's just going to get in your head. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and that's not, that's the main reason I haven't. I'm just going to mess with your mojo at that point. So I would just be yeah. happy with what you got and call it good. Yep. So and you kind of ran through like the top of the line of all of the shotguns there and had problems with them, which is and, crazy. And, yeah, and it's like an inside joke with my friends in the club and stuff. Like, but I mean, I've just had I've just had horrible luck, and you, I mean, and every bit of it is nothing that I've done. Yeah, that's you just know. how they are. It's just you know, like really, there's that. not a lot to it. I mean, man, if a guy your gun to the shoulder type, put the right kind of lube on the rails. And basically just kind of keeps it clean. Like most of these guns should just shoot. Like there shouldn't, there should not be those problems with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There really, there really shouldn't. So yeah, I, I do say the one thing I did with my gun um, and I do with all my shotguns, I have a like another benefit of having worked at a gun store for 15 years was I would encounter um, used shotguns for pretty cheap. So I have a whole collection of M ones in case this other one it might in case my super black here ever breaks. Um, but one thing I do do with all these guns is I take immediately and replace that factory spring in the back, mm-hmm. the recoil spring. And I put a heavy, a heavy duty uh, spring in there. And then once you do that, I feel like these, any of these recoil inertia guns are like pretty much bulletproof. Once you do that. Yeah. So is that, are you doing like the sure cycle spring or something or my, my super black has a sure cycle. Um, but in these M1s, I don't hunt with them very much. I mean, I, I, I occasionally maybe take one turkey hunting or really, I guess I, most of my private shot. A couple of them I have. Um, but I just put a, a wolf. It's like a $12 spring, but it's it's significantly heavier. Like you do not want your fingers anywhere near that bolt when it closes because it's mm-hmm. wicked. Really? But that I just slams that. That, that bolt to turn and then all your problems are ever solved. I've shot the same, well, I think I was either 17 or 18. I got my Benelli M1. Uh, and that's that's still what I shoot today. And uh, when I used to hunt a lot in Texas, that was like the hardest conditions that I have ever seen on guns just because in that sand down there. I oh, think yeah. you know, Oklahoma, West Texas, all that. It's It's really, really hard. And so my M1 was great, really had no problems except for in Texas, it, you know, would on a windy day, I'd only get like half a hunt out of it or so. And my buddy Scott, uh, Kroom, um, from, from Kentucky, he's the one that talked me into a wolf spring and yeah, it was like 12 bucks and my gun has never not cycled. I mean, I honestly cannot think of one time it hasn't cycled since. Yeah. Wow, it's impressive. mine occasionally every year I'll get a couple but you know, I'm shooting maybe two cases at ducks. I mean, it's a lot of mm-hmm. cold and funky shooting positions and whatnot. So I get a couple, but I mean, nothing like some of my buddies have. Like one of the things that I always love is when someone's like, "Oh, stupid semi-autos are junk," and they're shooting a pump, and like it never fails that the pumps will jam more often than the <laughs> autos will. Yeah. If you got someone that take like that keeps their gun. How it should be. And I don't keep mine clean by any means, but I keep it oiled. And that seems to be enough to keep it running. So, but yeah, I just kind of always laugh at those pumps are always seem to be more problematic than, I suppose, if, if you maybe someone that was really comfortable with the pump and that was not like short stroking them or whatever, that'd probably be a difference there. So, yeah. One of the guys that hunts with us, um, David Vizel, he's our, we call him our old man of the group. Well, 
I don't know, he's in his mid-50s or something, but he shoots a, um, he, I think he said he got it 1970 or 71. He's got an 870 Wingmaster, 30-inch oh, barrel. Nice guns. Mm-hmm. You know, 30-inch barrel. And like, you know, and he said a few times over the years, like, like I think I might get a new gun. And we're, we're all just like, no. Why? Like, like, because, you know, it's like that gun is like, is, is him. It's him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like in a conversation piece. It's just like, like, no, you're not like, I'll, you know, if I'll pay to have your gun fixed for something wrong with it, but like, no, you're not getting the new gun. And, and I'm telling you, like he's, and he shoots three and three estates. I think is, you know, states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, actually, I think in the last year he started shooting black cloud. Cause we give him, we kind of give him shit about being a yuppie hunter by um, shooting black cloud. <laughs> but he, he says he got a bargain somewhere, but, but man, he's just a, he's had that gun for so long and it's just like an extension of his arm. Like, I mean, he, he's a dead eye with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's more important than anything else. Yeah. You know, I've had like, I'm not like sponsored or anything by Benelli, but there's different times in the last few years where I've had like opportunities to get free, new guns from different manufacturers and just because my Instagram page, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll stick with what I got. I just don't, yeah. like, I don't really have a desire to just get the new thing just simply because it's free. I'm like, man, I got what I like and this thing works better than I can't, I can't fathom how any gun could work better than what I have now. So I was like, oh, I'll keep this. I'm good. Yeah. That's how Plus, I feel about mine too. Like that's well said. Like I, mm-hmm. I, there's no such thing as anything that works better than what I have right now. So yeah. And at some point, you get a little sentimental value on them too. So yeah, have you guys noticed the uptick in um, guys switching over to twenty gauges? Well, it's the oh, God that thing that that whole deal drives me nuts. Like me too. Like I get it. Like okay, I I'm the first. I can't talk too much because I did do that for turkey hunting, but I think I have a pretty solid reason for that because for turkey hunting, we're actually walking like a shitload. Like there's days we walk okay. 10, 12 miles. And the weight difference between a 20 gauge M1 and my super black or even my 12 gauge M1s is like a pound and a half or two. It's pretty significant. So carrying that on your shoulder all day, that's like, it's definitely a difference. So that's why I did it. But then here you have to go and you have to buy expensive shells and all this baloney. And for turkey hunting, you know, maybe you shoot, I mean, in a good year, maybe you shoot, I shot 11 or 12 shells in a year. That's like my best. You know, so like I'm not gonna go broke buying one box of shells, but man, like if I had to go buy cases of some of this twenty gauge like expensive stuff, that'd be like mm-hmm. maybe thousands of dollars of ammo you'd be spending on it. Also, you could shoot a gun with less recoil. I'm like, oh, I mean, maybe maybe when I'm seventy, I'll I'll notice that recoil difference. But good God, like right now, I sure don't. I've never noticed it after shooting a duck. I thought, you know, that's. You know, a few of my friends shoot the 20 gauges and, and like they kind of, and they've probably been doing it like five or six years. So they was ahead of the, yeah, the, the cool fact, factor, the fashion yeah, show. Yeah. So, but, you know, I guess for me, like I've never noticed that my, you know, my 12 gauges recoil on its bad or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm not saying, I don't know. I just, I'm the same. I've never felt like I was overpowered by a 12 gauge. I mean, yeah. And I know people say, Oh, if you have surgery or that kind of stuff, but 
I think it's just trying just trying to get cute. I was just going to say though, or is the uptick of of twenty gauges to be cute to be cocky? Because if that's the um, case, I just think like ethically, that's not the. I mean, if you're doing it because of a recoil or weight issue, all right, cool, knock yourself out. But yeah, ethically, like, why don't you try to make like the kill clean and fast with the extra pellets and power of a twelve gauge? Yeah, you know, then you could say, well, I don't. We should all shoot ten gauges, I guess, too. Right. But I mean, some of these twenties, like some of the ammo, I mean, it's very impressive. Like, there's no doubt. Like, I've shot um, these last two years. I've shot twenty, twenty turkeys, twenty one turkeys with a twenty gauge, and some are with that nine shot TSS. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stuff was wild. Like, I mean, a couple shots, like you kind of get confident and like I had a couple of birds that hung up at further ranges than I would normally try. So, well, you know what? It's worked up to now. I'm going to try it. And I mean, bang, you pull that trigger and they just dump and they're dead. I mean, they're, they're more dead than birds. I was shooting at 30 yards with like my regular loads. So I think like the efficacy of it is there. Okay. Yeah. I think just, is it needed though? Like, is it, if you're doing it already, right. <laughs> is that really a thing? And why would you spend a thousand some dollars on a gun so that you can spend more on the ammo all to accomplish with what you're doing, what you already were doing before with the gun you had currently in existence and less expensive ammo to buy more and over and over again, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I said, I'm just never going to switch back and forth to different guns and like, like, no, this gun, right. This gun that I have now, like I say, if my X2 hadn't have messed up, I would still be shooting it. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I'm going to shoot this one until it no longer shoots or I die, you know, whichever yeah, one comes first. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm just, um, you know, once I get used to something, like I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep shooting it. So no, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I do feel it the same way. Like, well, and, and now it's even like cool to buy to get a 28 gauge and a 410. I'm like, oh my God. Like, and yeah, there's probably a lot of days where I could shoot aluminum mallards with a 410, but I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I need to. And that ammo is like ungodly expensive to shoot. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I, I think it's know. just, I think it's just being cute and it's part, it's like the cool new thing and that's another way to fit in. And well, cause years ago, like my 20 gauge story years, I mean, long time ago, 10 plus years ago, I did a late goose season up in Fergus Falls, and I was being cocky. I knew it was going to be a good trip, and I was kind of being cocky about how it was going to be really good hunting, and the birds are going to decoy really close, and this is December, what, mid, mm-hmm. mid-December, mid something like that, mm-hmm. up in Fergus Falls. I mean, those geese are, the geese aren't bigger, but, you know, their feathers are more developed and more down and, yeah. and all that on them, and I took a 20-gauge, and that was a bad, I know with honkers, it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you have to be more cognizant of shooting them in the head. Mm-hmm. That's that's the deal. And I've seen plenty of geese fall to um, twenty gauge, three inch, four shot steel. Right. Um, but the guy I was hunting with, we were shooting him close, and he shoots him in the head. You know, he's ten years older than me, and maybe not ten, about whatever. But he's like very, he's a very good shot. But like that's not always the case. And yeah, I don't know, just that. That whole little trend. I mean, it's cool. It's cute. It's neat. Like, I mean, I guess if I 
if I had a 20 gauge that I really liked to shoot at docks, and if someone wanted to throw 500 to to $1,000 with a free ammo my way, I guess I'd shoot it. But, I mean, I would, I'd, I'm not buying it. I know that. It's crazy. Yeah, no, like I say, if I'm going to, you know, for, you know, I, I'll, you know, it's whatever I shoot, usually about 100 and, 100 to $120 a case. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know I'll, I'd rather take the, the money that the other stuff cost and spend it on gas and food on your yeah, yeah, trips. Yeah. That or an old, you know, an old duck call from my collection or, or something else. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. But, no, I agree totally. I'm, I, mean, I don't, I'm not against it. Like I said, they're, they're definitely more, I mean, if you're going to put them up side by side, it's going to be more effective at any given range, unless you can only kill something so dead at close ranges, but at further ranges, it's for sure going to be more effective. Yeah. But I just don't, I don't know. I'm not into the whole idea of just having to buy a separate gun just to yeah. be able to buy and use different ammo. I mean, there is like, um, you know, from time to time when everything freezes up around here and, and like I said, when everything freezes up, the, the mallard hunting, it, it just, you know, it's it just dead. So, you know, you know, I'll go diver hunting and, you know, if you shut, you know, I noticed Bill put a picture the other day, like of a good diver hunting and, you know, these divers, like, you know, they can take a beating. You know, I would like to try sometimes, you know, I think I'd like to try some of that tungsten or something with the divers just because, man, like. Well, they, that's a situation where like you need them dead because once they dive, you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. People who hunt with me probably get super freaking annoyed at me um, with how quick I am to tell someone to shoot. A crippled duck. Like if I see that that duck has got any sign of anything going on more than just nerves, I'm like, shoot it again, shoot yeah. it again. Mm-hmm. And people wait, and then it never fails. There it flips over, it's up, and it's under the water. And then, you know, it's I'm the one who always has the dog, so I got to deal with the dog chasing mm-hmm. a crippled mallard and you're getting the boat out or whatever it is. And so I'm like, I, I, like, you know what? I don't care if you have to waste two shells, shoot the dang thing and be done with it. And we don't spend 15 minutes out there chasing this thing around through the cattails yeah. or a half mile downstream or whatever. So yeah, in that situation, it'd be nice. Yeah. But like I say, I don't, you know, and I don't do enough of it to, to warrant spending, you know, you know, cause it seems like I, I know I, I kill enough of them stone dead. That yeah. As is. So. Yeah. When I quit, when I quit, ducks quit dying in the hole at 25 yards with what I got now. Um, I'll start looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But until then, I'm good to go. Yep. Cool. Well, heck, I think we um, beat that one pretty dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. We've had a little few technical issues going on in this one, so hopefully we get this thing all figured out and straightened out for everybody. Um, but, um, Let's uh, close it out with um, uh, uh, things duck hunters say today. Either of you guys got anything particularly witty for today? I said one last week, so I'll let you guys go for it. Bill, if you don't got one, I've got a couple here. Uh, well, we'll both go. I'll start it out. Okay. Uh, I The one thing I think is kind of funny, and I even thought this as a little kid, and I heard it more when I was younger than I did today, but I still hear it. Um. And this might cause debate, too, because maybe I'm not right on this, although I feel pretty confident about it. Um, 
I've had people size up my decoy spread and say, ah, you don't have enough feeders in there. You have too many sentries. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay. Because I an alert talk- goose, Phil, an alert goose has his head oh, up. It means they're scared. It means they're scared. Yeah. And, um, and and I'm pretty sure when I've decoyed geese, they do a head count and if how many heads are up and they're coming in. They clearly know. <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to continue this. We're going to do a short version on this, but I honestly think we can do almost a whole episode on something related to this. So I'm not going to talk too much on it. Um, but yeah, that's such baloney. Like, well, you've seen it. I've seen it. I mean, I've taken, I've taken out little decoy spreads of like all only feeders <laughs> or I used only- to do it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not lying. I'm a little hypocritical. I used to think about that, but I was oh, like, too. but because you get it like beat into you from every angle back then, like, mm-hmm. That's how it was. I mean, and we used to give them too much credit when we were younger. I think every waterfall hunter is that way. Like you think about the little things, and then as you get older, you realize it's maybe not. some of it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think ratios of any of that matters zero. I think you could have a hundred percent drakes doesn't matter. A hundred percent heads up doesn't matter. Hundred percent butts. Well, maybe not all butts, but how I mean, none of it matters. Like I don't like. If you just have a, some a representation of that species that you're chasing, doesn't matter. I'm with you. I'm I'm into simplistic. Yep. You know. Okay. So, oh God, I just had one. I was gonna. I should have written it down. It, the, what you said brought something up. Um. Oh. Okay. So this is a little. I don't have this. This one. I just this is the one I just thought of. Um. It's not one of my ones I have written down here from before, but I'd like this one because it's, it goes along with what you just said. Um, when someone likes to say, I put out a blue heron decoy for a confidence decoy <laughs> and they really come in then. Yeah. I better so, get my, I, I better get my pen out here and cross that one off my list. Oh man. So that actually is maybe one of my favorite funniest things to hear people say. And I'm super, I literally have, two blue heron decoys sitting less than 10 yards away from me right now. Yeah. So I never put them out. My dad bought them. This is a long time ago. And my dad was a full proponent of this. I mean, he's my dad about- was too, dude. My mm-hmm. dad was too. Yeah. I don't know if that was a thing back then or what? Oh no. You still hear about it on Facebook and you people still Confidence talk about decoys. it. I had, yeah. a, I had a snow egret. So here's, so here's my thought on how a confidence decoy has to work <laughs> if it works. So say you're in a, a busy hunting area where there's, let's say you're in a, you're on a public hunting area in Missouri, a draw hunting area in Missouri. And these ducks, you know, it's a couple thousand acre area and these ducks are flying over and they're getting called at by everybody in the sun and they're seeing decoys and they're seeing mojos and they're seeing, some live ducks and whatnot. And these ducks, here comes a flock of mallards. And we're going to use mallards because they're probably the, other than a pintail, they're probably the weirdest, but they're most susceptible to calling. Mm-hmm. So we're going to flock of mallards, 20 of them, fly over this marshy area at, oh, I don't know, let's say 250 yards. Pretty high, but enough that you can easily identify them and they're callable and, and whatnot. So there's people calling at them. And they're coming over this and they've gone over a decoy spread. And then they've gone over another decoy spread. And all of a sudden someone calls at them 
and they've got two blue heron decoys out. So those ducks, for in order for this thing to work, this is what would pretty much have to go through their heads. So they'd have to be up there, circling around, and then they're up there, and they're circling, and they're, they're flying. The guy calls them, boom, boom, and they, they spin around again. And they're really wary, and they're smart, and they've been shot at in this place a bunch of times. And they circle again. Then all of a sudden, they see the heron decoy. And the thought of, oh, that's a heron down there. Not just a bunch of my own kind down there. So, and herons are smart, and we know this. So, I think it's safe to go down there now because that heron is there. But when all those mallards were there, it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that thought would have to go through their head for it, for that to be effective. And like, I don't, I do not believe that a duck has that thought process in its head at any time yeah. for anything. Yeah. One saying I like to use is sometimes we just give them too much credit. Yeah. That I think confidence decoys give them too much credit. And I've seen like people say, "Oh, but I use coot decoys." I'm like, well, that's not really a confidence. That's just decoys. Like they land in coots all the time because coots go down and take weeds off the bottom that mallards probably can't reach, and then they get to eat it. Like they'll steal it from them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not like a confidence thing. It's just a feeding thing or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, that I'm glad you talked about the other thing, the head, the decoy thing, because that sentries to feeders. Yeah, the sent because the because decoy stuff, like little intricacies like that, crack me up. And I love I that. I, the confidence decoys crack me up. I try to look at that as try to get in the mind of a duck sometimes. Because, you know, a duck's usually got two things on its on its mind. You know. In the fall. Breeding. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> breeding well, or or eating. In survival and, ju- and safety, it, yeah. Exactly. Not, so like, Eating and not getting eaten and breeding. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I try to put myself as a in the mind of a mallard. Like when I'm starving and I'm ready to find a restaurant to go to. You know, I mean, you know, no, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going in there. You yeah. know, then in, then in hindsight, you know, <laughs> what well, I, I say, I don't know. It, it, it it's, unless you've it, been punched like twenty times in the face when you walk in there, then you're going to start. <laughs> Checking things yeah. up a little more, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seeing like a dog sitting in front of the McDonald's isn't going to make you say, "Oh, that must be safe." Right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I love that one. That one is like it's funny how it's funny how I mean, no matter where you go in the country, and you know, we all hear people say these same things. Oh yeah, you it know, spreads. I mean, like that one right there, the blue heron decoy. I've laughed about that for twenty years. And I've and I didn't even have it on my list of you know I didn't I, either I, I'd forgot about it then yep. you say that and you're like yep yeah that's probably like maybe the ultimate that's better than northern mallards I think even <laughs> yeah <laughs> funny so I need to that shows there's obviously some stuff that I, I need to sit and think about some other stuff you need to dredge like a little deeper into that yeah. well because you just don't even think about it like yeah there's just things that you take i got a, i got a good list i got like 10 more of those yet so <laughs> i need to but someone's going to start coming up with some of mine then you're going to once they get stolen yeah. it's getting shorter yeah that's the I, first time i've had to cross one out so now my list is i got some work to do i'm only down to a few left I'm i actually got, i've got one here that i feel like um 
I, I hope you guys have heard this so I don't completely sound too stupid, but you know, like the one that, you know, irritates me to no end was, was a duck comes in and somebody says, where'd that come from? And somebody immediately pops off and says, <laughs> eggs. Eggs. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like somebody in our group will say it once once a year, then just bust out laughing after they say it. But like, you know, like, it's like everybody, everybody's heard that eggs. Eggs, the egg, <laughs> the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said that one is, yeah. I think awesome. everybody knows that one. So. Well, that's cool. Um, well, hopefully you can get this one all pieced together. Like I said, yeah, man, we'll see what happens. It was so kind, of a, shit, kind gonna, of a shit show there for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to apologize ahead of time and afterwards and ahead of time here um, to everybody. If it was really choppy, we're sorry, but it is free, I guess. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. dialing it in too. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think we'll uh, wrap things up here. Like I said, everybody, thanks for listening and all the feedback. Um, it's been fun. I'm going to throw a little bit of spam out there. I did recently start selling um, prints on Canvas for about as possibly cheap as I could sell them for. So if any photos are of interest, uh, let me know. If you're on Instagram, take a peek at my bio. I've got a little link in there, and um, it'll take you right to that page where I sell them. So yeah, man, those are, those are cheap. And if you're like decorating up a, a den or a basement or man cave, whatever you want to call it, like, dude, yeah, yeah they're. Your pictures, cool. are, that's cheap, and and uh, I don't know. They're just your your photos are awesome. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I'm just trying to trying to I, honestly, like I do make a little money off them, of course, but it's pretty minor off of each one. Um, but honestly, more than anything, I just want people to have my photos out and be seen. Like, I mean, it doesn't do any good for them just to be sitting on my computer. So it's kind of cool to have in people's houses. So, and you got something that you like. What's that? I was going to say, and your variety is great. So whether you're a diver hunter or a goose hunter or a yeah. mallard big water, mallard bad weather, mallard anything, like you can find yeah. your style in your t- entire catalog. Yeah, Zach, I, like have, that, I like that picture the other day you posted of those gray ducks. Oh, Man, the gadwalls. Yeah, that was yeah, a cool one. Short, yeah, my, and that's my that's my most hated duck. But that was that was a great picture. Yeah, that one's fun. Gadwalls are good for that for that springtime stuff. They chase each other so aggressive, but they're fun. Yeah, your yeah. your spoony one you posted not too long ago was awesome too. Oh, the close up one mm-hmm. or the big flock of them. The flock of them with the blue sky in the background and their oh, yeah, positions yeah. are all the same. That's just I yeah, know. that was a fun one. Yeah, yeah, I dig those. So a little bit of spam trails there for everybody. Otherwise, man, I got nothing. You guys got anything else? No, I don't have anything. All right, well, I'm good. Well, I'm going to go spend a couple hours editing this thing together, and uh, <laughs> we will uh, catch you guys next week. Take it uh, easy. Good. See All right. See you guys. Keep it real. All right.